Happy Thanksgiving week. I love Thanksgiving. I think it's one of my favorite holidays because you don't have to really worry about anything except celebrating. And every other holiday, you have to worry about everything else. So I hope you eat great food and drink good wine and have wonderful company. All my challengers doing the Holiday 8 Challenge, I love seeing your posts. It's really not about, you know, going crazy one way or the other, right? We know we're going to do a little bit more sugar. We know we're going to have a little bit more to drink. And I just think that when you can do little things, whether that's take your supplements, get outside, do a workout, 15 minutes or less, even seriously, big things can happen. So don't stress, enjoy every second and have such a great holiday. Um, this podcast, I just, I can't get over it. It was so good. Alex Swanson basically took the data that you get from 23andMe previously, um, before August of 2017 and created a software platform to plug that data in. And you could see some incredible things about your genetics. And we're going to really dig into the sports side. So for me and my recovery, creatine levels, my vitamin D, my bone density, we're going to dig into certain things that say, tell me so much about who I am and why I am the way I am and why I feel good doing the things that I do. It's really, really awesome. So he is so cool. I think you guys are going to love it. The thing with 23andMe after August of 2017 is they stopped doing certain tests that showed us all this incredible data. So what Alex and his nutrition genome company has done is now done swab tests and they're available and this is just like huge breaking edge science and I'm just thrilled to be a part of it. If you guys want to check it out, if you have 23andMe, you can also plug that in and use the same code. It's nutritiongenome.com slash R-E-F slash Emily. And you can learn everything you want on that website. He's so cool. You're going to love hearing about him and his thoughts on genes and sports nutrition and supplements and enjoy this because it's nerdy and powerful. And I hope that you guys all get your genes tested because you're going to learn so much about your body. Some quick where I'll be. On Friday, Black Friday, I am going to be hosting a workout in St. Louis. So be sure to plug into my Instagram, Emily Schramm, for more details on that in case you're in the St. Louis area. I'm going to be at um, Steel Plate CrossFit. And then for those that are in Ohio, I'm coming to Cleveland for an expo. So stay tuned on my Instagram and newsletter as well for that. Okay. Go eat lots of turkey and sweet potatoes. And work out, sign up for my newsletter if you haven't yet, so you can get some workouts, and I'll see you next week. <laughs> I'm Emily Schramm, the ultimate meathead hippie. Welcome to the show. Once and I found you through Sarah Morgan, and she's in Denver. I've met her a few times, just an incredible lady, the Jean Queen. But I really feel I mean, when I went through my 23andMe report, so this genetic report, I didn't really know what else to do with it outside of just like the pat on my back of like, I have this athletic awesome hormone that <laughs> I don't even know what it means. But I was like, oh, yay, cool. And then I also found out some stuff about the Alzheimer's, um, being homozygous, and some for some Alzheimer's stuff. And I was like, okay, well, 
I guess I'll just keep eating vegetables. And that's kind of where it ended. And then when I found Sarah, she was like, you have to talk to Alex. So I'm so glad you can come onto the show and explain what you do. I think it's the most incredible I think it's the most incredible work out there. It, it just emphasizes that we're all so different and we got to figure out what works for us, but our genes can tell us. And that's what you've created, this amazing program. So talk a little bit about Nutrition Genome and how it came to be. Sure. Yeah. No, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to go over your report and kind of yeah. go through it. And that's what's what's so wonderful about this is this was created to, to with the understanding that we're all different. And so when I was in clinical practice as a nutritionist and seeing all of these different people, all these different disorders, and there really wasn't ever a one size fits all. You can't say paleo for, for everyone, keto for everyone, you know, vegetarian, like it just doesn't work that way. And so as I started diving into genetics, I actually got into it because my wife actually had some health issues in the past that she never really understood. And it was never really made clear to her and had some bad reactions, you know, the medications. And so she said, you know, do you think that could be something genetic? And as I started looking into this, this was like 2012, I think, when this was kind of just starting to become known. I started looking at all these different pathways in the genes and we ran her report on, an, on another software program. And all of a sudden I could see things I didn't really understand before. And I started connecting the dots and I've said, this is what happened. This is why it happened. And we can explain it now. And so it was just this huge relief for her to understand what happened, that it was a genetic issue. There was something in her biochemistry that didn't agree. And that's why she reacted. And I started doing it for more and more people. And all of a sudden I was able to figure out things that were mysteries before that people really didn't understand. And I'm like, this is amazing. This is a great tool that we've never had before. And as I started doing these by hand, it was taking me like six to eight hours per client, you know, crazy. To, to just, and so I started just putting, making this database and creating all these programs and then finally created the software um, that could, I could use myself, but also other doctors could use and just make this more simple because it's, it's fairly complicated material. And the whole point of this was to make it simple and to make it straightforward. And I wanted to create something centered around diet because everything that I had seen wasn't really talking about food as much. And you think about it, it's like, well, nutrigenomics is this field where it tries to explain how we interact with food, how our genes interact with food. Why do we act differently? Why do we react to, why do some people do so well on these diets and other people don't? And so finally we had those answers. And uh, so this software has been a tremendous, tremendous tool for clinical practice and just for individuals wanting to maximize, you know, their performance, their health, their immunity, their digestion. So, yeah, it's, yeah. it's been exciting. I love it. I think it's just such a breath of fresh air for those people that have, just like your wife, they've experienced so many they're doing everything right. You know, I think the intention is always like, I'm doing this, I'm trying this because I just want to feel the best I can. And I know I don't feel the best. And so when you go through all these diets and trying all these protocols and taking all the supplements, but still not seeing the answers you want, I really think this is the place to go. Um, and even just preventative care, it's just incredible. So um, yes, I'm so glad you created it. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. And, and the preventative care, what to me is so exciting about this is that what I would do is I would look at family history of a, of a client and then look at their personal health history and then blood work and then the genetics. And you can line those up 
So when you start seeing certain disorders that run in a family, all of a sudden you can start to see why. And you can start to understand why these are expressing and how to prevent it from happening. So when you have these disorders like heart disease and diabetes and cancer, and maybe there's trends in that family, you can say, okay, this is how we believe these are manifesting. These are your sensitivities. These are the foods you need more of, and we can lower that probability of disease. And that, that impact is we call epigenetics. It's basically anything, anything that changes your gene expression can change at any time. So we have this saying for the company, like genes are not your destiny, they're your blueprint. Mm-hmm. And that genes can constantly change throughout your life. And those changes you make early on actually impact four generations. And so you're setting up your family line, you know, with everything that you do. I love it. And I also really appreciate that, like you said earlier, the emphasis on food and not just food, but lifestyle changes, because we know it's so, you know, I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner. And when I was going through the program, as much as I love it, it's so easy to get sucked into the supplements you're taking. And And even then, I know that with food or supplements, a lot of it has to do with what we're assimilating, right? Like what we're actually digesting and absorbing. But it's so easy for people to have 20 plus supplements. And it's just, it blows my mind because I do think, you know, we have been given on this earth everything we need. Our body, when it's properly functioning, can adjust to those stressors in a beautiful way where we don't actually need those supplements. And so I just, I do appreciate that whole body approach. Um, including like heat therapy. Yeah. So throughout the report, that's, that's something I was really interested in was cold therapy, heat therapy, Mm -hmm. deep breathing, yoga, stress, or relationships, all of those shape our genes tremendously. I mean, when you look at just deep breathing, just meditation, even the amount of genes that are impacted just by you sitting down and, and breathing deeply is, is phenomenal. Um, jumping in a cold lake, it does all these incredible things for your body. Like who would have thought just even taking a cold shower, like increased your, your epinephrine, your good feeling hormones or your glutathione, right? Your antioxidant protection, simple. It's super simple. And we're just, we're these, these human beings are supposed to be out in the world and interacting with nature, eating what was intended, all of these things. And we've kind of, I think, strayed from that quite a bit. I agree with that. Um, I also I do feel that it's really interesting for me. So I run these 21 day programs, their emphasis on fat intake. And I kind of allow people to play around with what feels right. Obviously some people do really well with high fat. Some people don't do well with high fat. And that was kind of the extent of what I knew that everyone was different because you could tell with digestion or the weight gain, if they were high fat or keto, which is just blowing up right now and yeah. kind of driving me crazy, but um, it's really cool because, and we can dig into this more, the genes that actually say, you know, you might not do as well with saturated fat in high doses because of this. And it's, I see it all the time. I have a buddy system and one person will be like, my cholesterol and triglycerides are amazing. My blood work has completely changed. This challenge is incredible. And then the next person's like, well, shit. Mine didn't change. Mine actually got worse. And so I'm so excited to talk about the, that for people. I think that's just huge, especially in this high-fat, fat-adapted community. Yeah, and that has been um, a major takeaway of this genetic analysis for practitioners because for a while, everyone was hopping on this high-fat train and keto train and, and thinking that it was good for everybody. And all of a sudden, we started looking at the genetics 
And we're thinking, wait a second, this can cause insulin resistance. This can cause high glucose levels in certain people. And other people are fine. But we need to know who those people are. And, uh, and I think that's, it's starting to change, I think, how a lot of practitioners are looking at fat as well. I love it. Well, the, so when I got the 23andMe report, the first gene that I was excited about was some athletic genes. I don't remember what 23andMe actually tested. So mm-hmm. I kind of want to go through um, the way this report is read. Is yeah. There's normal variants, heterozygous, and then homozygous. Will you kind of break that up? Just Yeah, that? sure. So these alleles, you'll see letters, right? It'd be A, G, C, and T. And so these tell you when it's heterozygous, you have one copy from your mom or dad. And then homozygous, you have a copy from your mom and one copy from your dad. And so these variants kind of show us different with enzyme function, basically. All these genes encode for enzymes. And your enzymes require these vitamin and mineral cofactors to basically do their job. Mm -hmm. And so some people have higher needs for these cofactors or they're more sensitive to things that affect those genes or those enzymes. And that's how it manifests as different things. So like in the cardiovascular um, and exercise section of the nutrition genome report, we look at muscle strength, muscle recovery, VO2 max, uh, muscle injury. It's another one, inflammatory markers. So you can kind of hone in um, on where you need to focus basically and where you need more help. Yeah. You're going to make me a badass athlete. That's right. <laughs> That's the goal. Yeah. So, let's, so in this category, and um, this is just one specific category of the nutrition genome, just like you said, um, mm-hmm. caffeine, stress, muscle strength. Let's start with caffeine. Sure. I would love that because I haven't talked about this one yet. Yeah. So caffeine, the gene is the CYP1A2. And so, Basically, this has a relevancy for normal and homozygous. And so homozygous, you're, you're considered a fast metabolizer of caffeine. So your body goes through it pretty quickly, whereas your normal genotype is a little slower. So it, it, it basically is unable to clear it at the same pace. So for some people who have that slow metabolizing gene, drinking a lot of coffee isn't really great for your cardiovascular system, right? Or your caffeine because it's staying around too long. And that's um, like ca- causing like heart palpitations, probably the anxiety. Anxiety, uh, yeah. Access, stress, okay. R- right. And it can also affect, you know, uh, performance. So people who do well on caffeine, certain athletes, like for example, I think the, the one I use in the report is our, for cyclists. Mm-hmm. And so the ones that were, you know, the homozygous, the AA, um, they were basically, you know, I think a faster time of 3.8 minutes versus the C allele carriers. So it, it's working, they're, they're going through it quickly, it's working for performance, but for the other genotype, it doesn't do much. So for those athletes, for the CC, they're not going to be, you know, really going to utilize caffeine the same way. So if I'm heterozygous for it, it's kind of, there's potential for it to be a negative effect on me? It's kind of right in the middle. Yeah, okay. it could go either Got way. It. Yeah. Okay, that's kind of how I feel. I can easily overdo it. Um, I, for a while, I cut out coffee just because my, I was just running myself through a wall with my adrenals. And so it was horrible because I just cut coffee and I missed coffee. So I made like my own tea blend of it. But um, when I incorporated it back in, as long as I don't overdo it and I'm hydrated, I never feel like it's um, like no heart palpitations, but that can be so common for people. It can. Yeah. And there's, and of course there's a lot to it. So if you, if you do have adrenal fatigue, you know, obviously you're going to be way more sensitive. That's changed your gene expression now. Right. 
of how you respond to caffeine. Mm -hmm. So those are the other things you kind of have to factor in. How does it, can you talk about that a little bit? Sure. I would love to know how that is because I'm obsessed with adrenal health and I want to Yeah. well, there's just a lot of weird information going on out there. So I would love to talk about that. Yeah. So essentially caffeine triggers cortisol release, right? And cortisol pushes blood sugar, pushes glucose into the bloodstream. So for people who are more sensitive, when your adrenals have been pushed really hard, like you physically pushed yourself hard for a long time or mentally, you kind of get to this point where you're really not able to keep up with the stress demands anymore. And so the, a lot of people, what they do is they gravitate towards coffee because, because they're struggling, because they're tired. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, that just kind of perpetuates that pattern. And now you rely upon it. Now your body needs that caffeine just to kind of get through the day. And with adrenal fatigue, what happens too is then it starts pulling on the thyroid glands. And that's where it can start affecting digestion and just affecting your mood, how you feel getting out of bed in the morning. And so it's really like your, your body needs this time to repair to kind of get back to normal again. But for a lot of people, that's, that's hard to do. It's hard to stop and kind of take that time off training or take that time off, you know, stressing out with work. A lot of people don't have a choice. Yeah. Um, are you a coffee drinker? I'm not. No. Do you do tea? Uh, I do some tea. Yeah. I'm kind of more like a, like kombucha and like Gerol Steiner, like mineral water kind of guy. I love it. Yes, I love it. <laughs> ex- your gene expression is on the point. <laughs> well, if you have anyone, I'm, uh, I made this herbal coffee tea and I'm launching it in like two weeks. And I'm oh, nice. the closest thing to coffee I've ever had and I am just obsessed with it. So well, even well, if your wife is a coffee drinker, let me know. <laughs> she'll be it. Yeah. And I'll I'll share you my secret too. So uh Sarah called me the mushroom man in the other you know, podcast. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah, that's very true. I've been I'm very into like the medicinal mushrooms and one that I use is called cordyceps. And I have used those for probably every day for five years because they're probably one of the best things to take for adrenal health. Um, for exercise performance, for stress. I mean, they're really amazing what they can do. It's just when you look at a medicinal mushroom profile, it's like it's protecting you from almost everything. It's incredible. I love it. And yeah. we do, um, I kind of, and we're going to do another tangent because I'm also obsessed with mushrooms. Um, I listened to this podcast with uh, Dean. I'm sure you know this guy. It was actually on the way on my drive home today, but it was, um, where is it? Joe Rogan just interviewed. Uh, Paul Stamets. Oh yeah. He's, he's, so, he's the real mushroom man. That guy is yeah. like the top. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. My mind is blown. I, I mean, he just, it was just something this week that came out. So if you haven't listened to it, go. I definitely it. will. He's a brilliant man. Oh man. But I was thinking, okay, I have cordyceps. I love cordyceps. I'm at, you know, I have always done the four sigmatic um, pouches, mm-hmm. but they're also turned me on to a company in Finland. Um, yeah. To get their stuff this week, yeah, and also um, reishi. I want you to talk about reishi. Reishi. So reishi has a huge list of what it can do. I mean, it's it's another one that's been studied with cordyceps in terms of exercise performance and and hormone regulations. So it has improved. Like they used it in men, it improved testosterone. Um, it is an antiviral, so it is a very good one against the flu. Mm. It's really good for the heart. It's good for the liver. Um, it's, it's probably, it's also, it's in that category of, they call it, I think, the immortality mushroom. So it's linked to longevity. A lot of the, the medicinal mushrooms you'll see in adaptogens are linked to longevity because they're essentially protecting you from biological stress 
stressors, physical stressors, psychological. Um, and they're just trying to help your body find the center. That's what they're doing. They're basically, when, they, when they're called an adaptogen, it's helping you adapt to anything that you have to go up against. And that's why in this, this time period, especially with all of the pollution and chemicals and things that we deal with, they're more important than ever. Mm, I love it. And Reishi, I always think of as very calming. Um, does it bring the system down? Yeah, Reishi, absolutely. Yeah, um, ashwagandha, it's not a, a mushroom, but that's a root, but that's another one that's kind of, I put ashwagandha, ashwagandha and Reishi kind of in that. Yeah, they're a little more mellowing. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Okay, cool. So moving back, we, I, would love, I can't wait to tell you how I, I get the bags this week. So I'll let you know about the, I Definitely, got the cordyceps, yeah. cordyceps and then I got the stress. Um, it has the ashwagandha in it. I can't yeah. what it's called, but they're stress blends. So I can't wait. Awesome. Um, yeah, I love them. Okay, so caffeine, we got that. So let's talk about uh-huh. muscle strength and genes that talk about how your muscles are in the strength department. Yeah, so the muscle strength gene is called uh, GAMT, and it basically encodes for creatine. And so, you know, for a while, and this was a little longer back, I think, creatine was this huge thing to take, right, during working out. Like, everybody was taking creatine. And that's kind of, I think, I leveled off. I don't hear as much people um, talk about taking creatine anymore. So, yeah, creatine is naturally found in red meat and it's found in wild salmon. Those are the highest sources. And so if you have like a lower creatine uh, production, this actually explains too before why a lot of people either re- responded favorably to creatine supplementation and some, I, like I didn't notice anything. Mm-hmm. And essentially it has to do with your, your production, your production of creatine and how much, how much you're getting in your diet, right? So if you're eating a bunch of red meat and salmon, like yeah, extra creatine supplementation is not going to do anything. Um, so this, do you just do you just pee it out yeah you just don't utilize it your body yeah. says i have enough you know let's get rid of it and and that's kind of where like you had to stay a lot more hydrated too because your kidneys had to process all that creatine mm. and that's where there was the issues with you know this high creatine supplementation is kidney health mm. so if you're doing a really high protein diet and then a ton of creatine yeah it's a little bit of a strain on your body mm. um, so essentially what also affects this is l-arginine and L-arginine is a precursor to nitric oxide, but it's, uh, it's found in like your, your nuts and seeds or L-arginine foods, for example. Mm-hmm. And so if you had variants, like say you had a heterozygous or homozygous here, you're going to benefit, your strength is going to benefit more from these foods. So red meat, wild salmon, nuts and seeds, like those are going to be good strength foods for you. And I think it's important that what you said about the nitric oxide, I think this is huge for me with brain trauma. Mm. Um, I know that I have some impairment with that pathway. Yeah. Do you supplement with L-arginine just based outside of food? Is that one that you try to get with just food? Yeah. It's also in eggs too. I mean, yeah. Yeah. So I, I think it's pretty easy to get from your diet. Cool. Yeah. And it's, again, it's always preferable because nothing ever comes really in an isolate. And so when you look at what else is in an egg or what else is in nuts and seeds, it's like, well, this, they came packaged this way for a reason. For sure. Well, cool. Yeah. I don't know, notice um, a huge difference with creatine, but I do with L-arginine. Right. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So they're both important for that gene. Cool. That's super cool. Um, yeah. Okay. So then aerobic performance. 
I would love to talk about that. Yeah. So here's another one of your athlete genes that you have. You're one of the lucky people who have uh, a normal, this is a long name, but the gene's called PPARGC1A. And this has to do with VO2 max levels. And so this, this gene, actually, when you, when you think of, you have clients, right, that you see, and that some people probably are just champs when it comes to aerobic exercise, and others are like, I am struggling, I can barely do a mile. Mm-hmm. And so these variants show like how well these people are equipped for aerobic exercise. Some people are just natural marathon runners. It's not hard for them. Some people are sprinters, you know, and they're just like, I can't, that's all I can do. That's all I'm good at. Mm-hmm. So this gene here, you have the normal variants, which means you have a high VO2 max naturally. So your ability to do aerobically perform is a lot easier than probably other people. I'm definitely not a marathon runner, but I do, <laughs> I do love some cardio. That's for yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so cool. I, I've always like, you know, I've tied some of the aerobic exercise with essential, like a need for essential fatty acids. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really cool to see that it's an actual gene. I think a lot of people are going to be grateful when they're like, oh my God, I'm not crazy. Or yeah. I'm not just being a sissy in the gym. It's, right. That, it's just hard for me. It's just harder. And so um, what actually helps VO2 max that's been studied is both ashwagandha mm-hmm. and uh, ulithro root, also known as Siberian ginseng. Both of those, it is, it's very difficult to find things that actually um, improve VO2 max aside from just working out more and trying to improve your aerobic ability. But those two herbs do. I love, and g- there's a couple of forms of ginseng. So I think, right? So, so Siberian ginseng. Siberian, yeah, the best one. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, I love it. I have some Siberian ginseng teas that I will make sure I have today. And that's um, a really good one for people who are trying to get off coffee. So if you have people that are kind of used to stimulants, Ulithero root is going to be a better fit than ashwagandha because ashwagandha is kind of more mellow. Mm-hmm. And Ulithero root kind of, it picks you up without being stimulate, too stimulating, but it kind of gives you that more of a sustained energy feel. Kind of like herba mate? Kind of like herba mate, yeah. Perfect. Right. I love herba mate. Yeah. Uh, okay, good. I love muscle injury and muscle recovery. I want to talk about that. Sure. So muscle injury. So this gene COLA1 has to do with collagen production. Mm-hmm. Um, so tendons and ligaments. So believe it or not, on yours, the heterozygous and normal is much more rare. It's the homozygous, like it's like 95% of the population is more, more prone to injury. And it's the elite athletes are kind of in this 5% category that are much more resilient when it comes to muscle injuries. I so, always have felt so lucky. I mean, there's times where I'm like, I should have broken everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And see, you're, I, I rarely see heterozygous and normal on this. Only in elite call, athletes. That's why collagen's like blowing up because people are like, oh, wow, I feel the effects of it. Because I exactly. don't feel the effects when I take collagen. Exactly. It's, it has to do with your, your internal production. So yours is already wow. doing pretty well. So that's probably why. Awesome. Um, yeah. And do you, I, you know, I know you have a list of the things that are recommended for that, for that gene, but do you have, do you like supplementation of collagen? So um, yeah, I mean, bone broth, chicken broth, that's full of collagen. The powdered collagen obviously is good too. Uh, vitamin C combines with those amino acids to produce collagen so that combination is often the best for i mean with athletes especially when they're high of a higher risk i mean i think the collagen powder is a great solution um, with vitamin c perfect i think it's great 
And then I am homozygous for a couple of the vitamin D, um, yes. which is just so important to so many things. It's not a vitamin, it's a hormone. Uh, is that why if I don't take it, I feel depressed? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, I feel, I really do feel if I'm not in the sunshine all day, or if I do not force myself to supplement with vitamin D, it's one of the big ones for me as far as noticing an impact on my mood. Yeah, it's, it's a combination too. So that's serotonin and that's vitamin D. So they work together. Vitamin D, omega-3s are a really strong combination for serotonin production. And of course, sunlight um, is a big one. So yeah, that, that, those two things are making you feel much better. And um, I mean, it's, it's for everything. What, you know, what does vitamin D do? It's everywhere in your brains, everywhere in your body. So um, it's really important. So for certain people, you think about it, who live in climates where they don't get a lot of sunlight. And some people are prone to, you know, seasonal affect disorder. And some people, you know, they're fine. They're going through it. And we start to understand again, why is that? <laughs> okay. um, I, I just thought I'd give a little paw. It's like when my dog goes to He loves me. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Continue. Um, so, yeah. So, again, this helps explain um, differences, you know, and how people react to vitamin D. Because, again, um, I'm kind of one of those people, like, I could live in the Northwest, and I did for a little while in Seattle, and I was never really bothered by the lack of sunlight. Mm. Um, but of course, uh, most people I, I think usually are affected, you know, by not getting enough sun and it has to do with your vitamin D. Um, I believe I talked here too about, um, strength and vitamin D levels too. So with athletes, low vitamin D could affect your strength, could affect your endurance. How can you talk to me about that? I guess, I've, I mean, I know about recovery a little bit, but maybe not the actual strength output. Yeah, it had to do, I think the study I'm trying to find right here, was, it was mainly age-related. So I think it, as you get older, if the vitamin D levels stay really low, like your strength starts to go down faster. But if you keep your vitamin D level up, like you kind of keep that muscle strength throughout your life. That's so awesome. Yeah. Uh, and making, do you have, I mean, I've always used, as long as it's a D3, do you prefer, I know you talked about um, just on kind of going through background with you is you really like the is it wild salmon oil? Yeah, wild salmon oil. Um, so it has A, and if I remember correctly, just glancing over your program, you had a higher need for vitamin A. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, it has A, D, omega-3s, and astaxanthin, which is what makes it special in that sense. And that's the uh, what makes it pink, basically, is astaxanthin, very strong antioxidant. Oh, very cool. And, and that, you, go ahead. I was going to say, I was going to say for you, that'd be an important one because that can cross the, the blood-brain barrier um, and be protective. So that could be a good one for you. Cool. Do you have a brand that you like for wild salmon oil? Yeah, there's two. There's uh, North American Urban Spice and Vital Choice. Oh, perfect. I love Vital Choice. Okay, great. And then you, I, I, a lot of people talk about fermented cod liver oil. What are your um, qualms with the fermented cod liver oil? Where do you stand with that? Yeah, so I think it was like a year or two ago that it, things started coming out that it was potentially rancid um, and there were some problems, you know, with the, the production of it. Um, I myself have kind of moved on to either Rosita makes a, a cod liver oil, I think it's in Norway, and kind of away from the fermented because I started thinking that too because people have issues with histamines. So maybe the histamine production was really high and I was thinking, does it really need to be fermented? Um, 
So I, myself, I've kind of moved from either the Rosita olive oil. I really like the salmon oil myself. It's not as high in vitamin A, um, but I think it's high enough for most okay. people. Yeah. Can we jump to histamines and sure. what that looks like on not just the nutrition genome, but how that translates to people's day-to-day life? Yeah. So histamines, um, so just to kind of give a, a background on that. So fermented foods, there's a lot of things high in histamines, fermented foods, cured meats. Um, and mm-hmm. so some people have issues basically breaking down those histamines. And in the genetic report, you'll kind of see your ability to do that. Um, so it has to do with vitamin C levels and magnesium. Those are really helpful. Folate is another choline, I believe. So essentially people who react like, um, both digestively and mentally can, that can affect them histamine wise. So sometimes when people drink red wine, they get really stuffed up. Mm-hmm. It's a histamine reaction. Um, so allergies, it's a histamine reaction. Estrogen modulates histamine. So depending on your hormones, that can affect how you have seasonal allergies, for example. So there's a lot of ways that um, histamines can manifest. And that's where kind of you can offset and help break those down. Vitamin C is a natural antihistamine. There are a bunch of herbs that are natural antihistamines um, that really are helpful too. Is, is nettle, stinging yeah. nettle one of them? Okay. Nettle is one of them, yeah. Um, yeah. What is the gene that uh, talks about the histamine. I don't remember where I'm at for that. It's a APB1 and HMNT, and that's in the digestion section. So let me pull oh, up here. digestion. So you had you did have a heterozygous gene for APB1 um, for histamines, mm. and your HMNT was fine. So I wouldn't say it's overly um, an issue for you, but I think you've had a lot of things that came up for magnesium, mm. um, and potentially vitamin C. And so you would benefit from both of those for histamines. Okay, perfect. I definitely love magnesium at night. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's always when I prefer to take it. I don't know if that's what you suggest as well. Yeah, it calms the body down and helps you repair. <clears throat> perfect. And talk to me. I know vitamin A is huge. It's so funny because I have known that I need to eat liver for so long. And I have tried. It, there's been a cow liver sitting in my freezer for like 10, I swear, five years. It's all yeah. grass-fed. It's, I made sure, you know, but I keep looking at it and I just keep putting it away. I'm like, I can't do it. So yeah. when it came back, I, I've just been like, I have to figure out a vitamin A liver support. So I actually, I'm just going to pick your brain. I've been using sure. Liverplex from Standard Process yeah, just be, because I felt like it's actual liver where versus just taking vitamin A, it's the food-based. Right. I would, lo- I would love your opinion on any other, um, outside of maybe the wild salmon oil, how can I get liver or how can I get the benefits of it without yeah. eating, I guess? <laughs> <laughs> so eggs are another source of vitamin A. Okay. Um, dairy is one, but I know you, you, your body doesn't do well with dairy. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's basically the organ meats, it's fish oil or it's uh, – fish uh, liver oil or wild salmon oil because it's coming from the whole fish. Um, And that's why vitamin A is so much harder to get because basically everything else is in the form of beta carotene in plants. Mm -hmm. So it's really just your eggs, your organ meats and and your fish oils. Yeah. And, and my conversion from beta carotene to vitamin A, I think is really really reduced. Yeah, it was, it was reduced. So if you were trying to get everything from plants, you know, you, you, I think would, it would affect your digestion. It would affect your eyes, your hair, your skin. Yeah. 
Do you have a hard time when you go through this report? What, what do you talk about with vegetarians? Cause I know I have some vegetarian listeners. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you, do you suggest maybe just trying to incorporate eggs or what other yeah. alternatives? Yeah. I mean, and this is what's been really helpful. I've had vegans and vegetarians go through this and, and that really helps them see where they have the highest need. So for example, if they, they're going through and they're like, wow, I have a really poor conversion of beta carotene. I need some vitamin A. They may consider eggs. Um, same thing can happen with choline. You know, if they have really low choline and that can be a problem, especially if they want, if they're a female and they want to get pregnant, um, they'll start, you know, considering eggs, um, maybe considering fish oil or salmon oil, things like that, because there's another gene in there that shows your conversion of ALA to EPA, which is the omega threes. Mm-hmm. And so if you have a really poor conversion of plant omegas to omega threes and plant beta carotene to vitamin A, then that diet isn't going to serve you very well for very long. And, uh, so my hope is they can at least kind of consider, you know, is, is this going to affect my health long-term? Is there some things maybe I should incorporate that I can compromise on? I like that. It's just so much easier when they see it. It's their, their blueprint in front of them. Yeah. It's their so choice. It's just, yeah. Their choice. And they're not guessing and going off of, someone else's recommendations exactly right Um, talk talk to me about the dairy uh intolerance and also let then we can go into the saturated fat kind of who does well with it who doesn't yeah so the lct gene so that actually is just looking at lactose it's not looking at anything else in dairy so lactose would be you know basically milk you know it's it's it was looking at certain people whether depending on where you're from in the world um, have a, a better ability to break down lactose. So if you have a very strong Northern European uh, ancestry, you're more likely going to be able to break down lactose. And so this kind of tells you that. And that's kind of something I also want to bring up just on a, on a larger scale, which is really cool about this, is that your whole history, like your whole family history, where everybody was from, that's all culminated into what you are now in terms of your genes, right? So where we've lived it has a lot to do with how we, t- we metabolize fat. That's my belief. I think people who live farther from the equator are a little better equipped if we have longer periods of time for saturated fat. People who live closer to the equator, more plant-based, less saturated fat. So I think all of this has just really designed us. And that's what like the lactose gene kind of tells us. Like, well, this is because we were in one place for a really long time and we were farming and this is what we had. This was available. So our bodies adapted to it. I love it. And what other things, so lactose, if it's like, okay, you might be okay with lactose, there can be other things in dairy that are problematic for people. Um, yeah. mainly be, is it mainly because the sourcing of the animals or like the food that they're eating, the hormones that they have inside the, the cow or whatever it is? It can be a few things. So it can be, so one, yeah, it can be what they're fed. If it's grain fed and they're given antibiotics and they're given growth hormones, I don't think anybody should be, should be consuming that. Um, it can be histamine producing strains of probiotics in the dairy that some people may be more sensitive to. It can be um, insulin. It can be insulin levels. So, so women who have PCOS, you know, they're more sensitive to dairy and red meat because of the insulin response. Wow. Yeah. There's a few things. Oh, I love it. Um, and then going to, okay, let's talk about who does well with keto and who doesn't. Um, okay. I really want to know, you know, because it's not that all saturated fat is bad. It's just that there's certain, you can really monitor what 
your fat profile can look like. So it's coming from polyunsaturated fats, monounsaturated fats, and saturated fat. And I think right. the tendency when people go full paleo or full keto is it's like it's very skewed to just saturated. Yeah. So how can people like what's the gene that talks about some people do better with a little less saturated and maybe more diverse in the other fats. And yeah. some people, it really doesn't matter. Sure. So um, the, there's a few genes. So there, uh, the ones that I look at are three genes, three main ones, and that's ACAT, ACSL1, and AP, APOA2. Uh, ACAT has to do with protein and fat. And so when I'm looking at like protein, for example, breakdown, I look at ACAT, and I look at another one called MTHFR 1298. And so the people that have like a homozygous 1298, or maybe they have variants in ACAT, these are the ones that don't do well with high protein. So essentially the reason is, is that that protein turns to excess ammonia. And then that ammonia actually stores as glutamate and that can increase anxiety and, and create digestive distress. Wow. So that's how I look at the protein profile. And then when we go into fat, I'll be like, okay, look at ACAT. How is that working? ACSL1 is, I've found to be a very accurate one. Um, and this is one I believe you have a homozygous gene for, ACSL1. So and this what one. What category are we under? Sorry. This is fat, uh, digestion oh, section. Yeah. Oh, perfect. Got it. So this gene is really interesting because this is what kind of opened up my eyes too in terms of insulin and, and fasting glucose and saturated fats. So this gene, what they found was that the people who had homozygous gene had higher fasting glucose and insulin um, when they were eating more saturated fat. But as long as they kept the saturated fat below 35% total, or they had a higher intake of mono and poly from like nuts, seeds, and fish, and chicken, um, basically everything, that it, it normalized the gene. So it was struggling to basically take on that saturated fat load. But as long as you kept it below 35 or you increased these mono and poly, um, it evened it out. And so people like with this gene, I, I tell them dairy and red meat is most likely going to increase insulin, increase fasting glucose, you know, if you, if you try to overdo it. Mm. Um, so that has been, uh, I've, I've tested that with, with athletes and clients that are kind of going high fat and the ones that had the high fasting glucose had this homozygous gene. That's incredible. And just for my listeners, that would just be a simple switch of instead of, you know, we have maybe have a bunless burger, maybe it could either be a chicken, chicken burger with an egg on top, or it could be a beef burger in moderation with um, nuts and seeds and olive oil and avocado instead of bacon on top of that. Just exactly. Like simple little changes probably can make a big difference. Yeah, and I think something to kind of point out with keto and paleo to this uh, extent is that there's a, a right way to do it and a wrong way to do it too, right? Mm -hmm. So what happened with paleo is it was like meat fest and people just kind of forgot about vegetables. And they're just like, well, I could have meat and, and bacon and eggs and that's all I need. <laughs> and I yeah. think keto, keto tends to kind of go towards like, well, I'll just have I can have my cream and I can have my coconut oil and my nuts and I'm, I'm following a ketogenic diet. And so these prebiotic uh, vegetables, these fiber rich vegetables are really important for both of those programs. And as you probably saw throughout your report, how important those prebiotic fibers are for gut health. Mm. And with, um, I kind of want to go back to what you consider high protein diet for M the MTHFR um, mm -hmm. That's fascinating because glutamate, obviously, that in, tied into 
anxiety, not being able to produce GABA. Mm -hmm. For me, someone that's had glutamate explosions in my brain because of concussions, knowing that I need to moderate that. How, what would that look like as far as high protein? What does that mean for you in, as far as numbers or grams? I think as soon as you start going over 30%, Okay. You're Got in a pretty it. high protein range. Yeah. And I'm thinking mainly athletes are trying to do that. Mm -hmm. And I've, I've had like football players, for example, we just felt awful on really high protein diets. And we kind of looked over it and we're like, well, 1298 homozygous, you're going to need to moderate that better. Um, yeah. But you have better fat metabolism, you have better carbohydrate metabolism. So that's again, you just have to narrow it down. I love it. And then the last thing I wanted to kind of go over was um, I love that you talk about neurotransmitters and mental health and mm -hmm. how key this is. I mean, for everybody, I know this is something that all of us, I feel like more and more it's common to have anxiety, to have different, um, the brain just not operating the way we know it should. It's just more and more prevalent in our society. And uh, I would just like to talk about some of the ones that I'm homozygous for. Sure. This is probably my favorite section, actually, because oh, perfect. <laughs> uh, because this this allowed me to make discoveries um, with families with issues with glutamate problems, uh, especially the glutamate section was really eye opening. Um, but we'll start with the the first one. So MAOA, that's serotonin and estrogen metabolism. So this is an interesting one because normal and homozygous again have relevancy. So this is actually really common to be homozygous in women because it's to help retain serotonin. It's helped, to, it's helped to keep it around so you feel better. But it can also make you more sensitive to like MAO inhibitors, you know, and make serotonin too high. So heterozygous, if you're kind of in the middle, you know, you may go either way. But it sounds like for you, you know, the vitamin D, the sunlight being out of it, you're trying to keep an exercise, right? All, so something I, I continually find is people that love to exercise a lot typically have to bring their serotonin levels up to keep them there and get the glutamate down because exercise removes glutamate from the brain. It clears it out. So you'll find your really dedicated enthusiasts, usually low serotonin, high glutamate. And it's, I mean, it's incredible when I, I mean, many people know this, but if I don't, if I don't move, the, the night and day of, it's like I'm bipolar, right? It's like, I, there's no, if I haven't moved in 12 hours or done, done a bike ride or gone and done something, it doesn't have to be extreme. It's just so substantial. And it is. Like, I, I legit feel crazy. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's, you'd be surprised, you know, how many people, when you, when you see their habits, it's like, well, they're doing this because this is what's helping them get balanced. Mm -hmm. And for you, that's, that's how you get, get to your center right? And that's what you need. And there's a biochemical reason for that. That's so awesome. I love uh, it. And yeah, go oh, ahead. I was gonna say, yeah, the next one. So COMT. So this is your dopamine and uh, your adrenaline, right? And so dopamine um, can get a little too high. And that's where that even that kind of mania feel um, like glutamate can happen. Mm -hmm. And so this is where magnesium and vitamin C are key, really crucial. Yeah. I've never thought about dopamine being too high. Dopamine can be too high. It can be so too low can cause like ADHD mm. and like too high can kind of cause kind of mania symptoms or like you don't have to be in full blown mania, but it can be that kind of a stressed dopamine adrenaline feeling. So give you an example, like if you're sitting in bed at night and your brain is spitting and you also feel it kind of in your heart, a little bit of anxiety, that's kind of beginning to be more dopamine and adrenaline. 
if your brain's just kind of going on a record, it's just going, that's usually glutamate, right? So, and you could have both, you could have both going, right? And so Mm -hmm. that's where that feeling comes from. But magnesium, what it does is it basically stabilizes and helps break down the excess uh, dopamine. And so does vitamin C, it modulates it. And so for mental health, magnesium and C is really important. I love it. That's so awesome. Uh, Glutamate. So glutamate GABA, the GAD1 genes. Uh, so as you see here, definitely there's some issues for you to want to include some glute, some GABA in your life, right? Yeah. I noticed a huge difference. Um, and it's interesting with GABA because if you take just GABA and it affects you, doesn't that mean we have some gut brain permeability? Yeah. And often, you know, GABA on its own doesn't really work. You know, it's, yeah. you have to use the precursors. And so this is where probably your gut health is big. So probiotics, because Essentially, um, if your gut isn't working correctly, you know, the glutamate levels can elevate mm. because so much of your bacteria, your like bifidus, is making GABA. So all your, all, as, as Sarah talked about, the buddies in your belly, like those are producing neurotransmitters. They're producing serotonin. They're producing GABA. They're trying to make you chill, basically. Mm-hmm. Just kind of like, hey, let's just hang out for a little bit. Everything's all right. Yeah. But if they're not, it's like a party and it's just like chaos, right? <laughs> yes. Which I experience frequently. <laughs> okay. So, so precursors to GABA outside of just taking care of gut health. Um, yeah. So that would be like your, your B vitamins, uh, your magnesium. Lithium isn't talked about enough. Lithium is a big one. And you only really hear about lithium with like bipolar disorder and like high amounts of lithium. But lithium's in like your mineral water. Um, it's in like garlic, it's in, uh, tomatoes. It's really low, I think in our country and higher in other countries. And so when you look at maps of where lithium is higher in the water supply, you'll see way lower levels of violence. And then, yeah. And you see really in the low levels of lithium, higher levels of violence. So it's amazing. That's incredible. Um, vitamin D progesterone, uh, is another one. Progesterone is really low in a lot of women these days. And I think it has to do with high stress because cortisol competes, right? For progesterone. Mm-hmm. Um, lemon balm. is another good one. I love lemon balm. I have one of my teeth have, uh, my new teeth have lemon balm. There you go. There you go. Call, call it GABA. Yeah. GABA balm. The GABA tea. GABA tea. Uh, ashwagandha is definitely another one. Um, and then, of course, how you sleep. So if you don't sleep deeply, you never really are producing enough GABA. So if you're kind of up, up all night, kind of like your glutamate GABA is going to be messed up until you start getting into that deep sleep again. Man, this is such good stuff for so many people. Um, and something that you will be happy to know here, the choline, your choline production is actually pretty good. Woo-hoo. And so organ meats are the big source of choline. So if you don't want to do a lot of liver, you're all right. that's good yeah (laughs) i love it do you eat liver i you know i don't really like it i tried it and i'm like all right i'm gonna eat it once a week and i just i can't continue to do it what i do like actually is heart i don't know if you've ever tried heart it's good accidentally uh, (laughs) i was i was in copenhagen at a restaurant and it was this is a funny story but um this the dish was called Part of the lamb, and I thought it meant like the best part of the meat. <laughs> and it came out, and I was like, "This looks so slimy." And I took one bite, and Bradford, my boyfriend, was like, 
what did you what did you order I was like the heart of the lamb he goes Emily it's the heart and I'm like <laughs> why did I order <laughs> That was my only experience. That was the experience. Yeah, the, the only the best one I've had is like how they do it in South America, which is basically they they barbecue it in like a marinade. And if you didn't tell someone it was heart, they wouldn't be able to tell. It just tells, it tastes like steak. I could try that. I could try yeah. that then. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> um, okay, so my choline is decent, um, yeah. and then the last one for brain health was APOE. APOE. So for this one, this is the one that's that's typically connected to Alzheimer's. And it only really generates a paragraph if it's the E4, E4. So double homozygous is really only the one that I focus on. Okay. Um, you have the 3-4, I believe. Do you have any dementia, Alzheimer's in your family? No, I don't. Yeah, so that's always a good thing to see is are there patterns, you know, when you're thinking of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, you, you know, you, because you've had a lot of head injuries that mm-hmm. you do want to really take good care of everything that you're doing, it sounds like is helping repair all those neurons. Um, lion's mane is a really good mushroom for protecting the brain. Uh, and do they, what's your best, what's your favorite way to have lion's mane? Um, I have tried the tincture. I've tried the capsules. I've tried the tea. I've even bought it when it's accessible. It's, it really tastes good. Like it tastes like seafood actually, but um, I've just take the capsules. Mm, okay, perfect. Yeah. It's really cool. There's a restaurant. If you ever come to Denver, um, they have like a mushroom dish and I didn't know what type of mushrooms was in it. But when I went to the bathroom, they have a huge incubator and grow their own mushrooms. Mm-hmm. I was like, what is this? And they're like, oh, it's lion's mane. I'm like, wow. What are these home? <laughs> That's awesome. And it's like their artwork slash also what they use for their dish. It's just so cool. So, oh, I'd love to go there. That sounds cool. Yeah. Urban farmer. If you guys are in Denver, make sure. Okay. You- their yeah. platter out. Definitely. Um, this is so wonderful. I, you know, and I'm just so excited because when I got my report done with 23andMe, it was in February of this year. And then I was, um, Sarah let me know that 23andMe changed everything in August. So your software obviously works for the 23andMe reports that have been done before August 2017. Right. But after August of 2017, they don't work. But that's right. why this is so exciting for you and your new test. I would love for you to talk about um, what you guys now offer. Sure. Yeah. So we just launched our DNA kit uh, this week and it's a combination of the DNA kit and analysis. And so we're using cheek swabs, um, 23 Me. they were using these kind of spit vials. And the problem with those is you can't use them with toddlers or seniors, you know, that seniors kind of struggle as well. So we wanted to be able to have something that enabled every age to use it so that like parents could have it done for their children as toddlers and really be like, okay, these are the best foods for my child. Or these are things, you know, we want to be conscious of and really try to improve. Um, and so and we also have a faster turnaround time. So our lab can get it done in two to three weeks. And before it was six to eight weeks to wait. Yeah. It took me eight weeks to get this. Yeah. Oh, so we have a faster so turnaround. Exciting. Yeah. Um, and, and your info, I would love nutritiongenome.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then your, where's your social media? I mean, I'll tag you obviously in all the notes and get everybody the info on you that they can, but um, where else are you active outside of nutritiongenome.com? Yeah. Um, Instagram, nutrition genome. Um, we're active on there and then Facebook as well. Nutrition genome. Perfect. Yeah. Yep. Alice, this is so awesome. I knew this was going to be amazing, but it was even better than I thought. So oh, I, thank you so much for having me. Yeah. This is so, so, so fun. Tell my listeners, if this is overwhelming, just 
do it in small doses. Listen to this eight times because you're going to learn something new every time. This is fascinating stuff. You guys can really learn so much about your body with this test, and I can't recommend it enough. So, again, Alex, thanks for creating it. <laughs> oh, no, thank you. <laughs>